Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! What are we discussing today? What's our first topic? Uh, you know what we could do? What could we do? We could go ahead and introduce ourselves. Let's introduce ourselves. Who are we listening to here, folks? Who, who, who is this? Who's our first caller? I, fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'm Zach. That's my name. Zach, I'm Mick, and... Alexis. And, uh, we're, we're the film majors. We, uh, we went to the prestigious filmmaking school of Humboldt State University. It's, uh, known for its film program. All around the county of Humboldt in Northern California. Go lumberjacks! Yeah. So uh, that's that's how we all we all came to meet, and uh, yeah, now we're all working in in some capacity sometimes in uh, in the film industry, and we're uh, we're chatting about movies, we're chatting about films, we're chatting about films. Films is I don't know about you guys, but film is kind of my passion. It's what I do for my living, and when I'm not living, I'm dead and I'm watching movies. I mean, I literally live in a box in the dark and all i do is watch movies we refer to your house as the troll hole the troll hole that is that's me i mean i'm somewhere between a gremlin and a troll i was about to say you're a little film gremlin i am a i'm the little film gremlin gremlin. yeah definitely you know as much as i'm a gremlin you guys are the real trolls because i swear to god you're more of a golem oh i'll I'll take that that's cool as hell i'm like a film leper I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it's slimy and grotesque. What about the what about the thing from Spirited Away? He's just all polluted. Remember, he's like a he's like a water spirit. Gas giant. That's exactly how I'd describe you. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say because that's what I want you to be thinking because I agree. Remember they pull everything out and then he just goes. Yes. I make that that kind of noise all the time. Yes, that's uh, that's true. Thank you. You're welcome. So. uh... What I thought we could do first is uh, get into a little segment that I'd like to call What's Going On? What's Going On? So, you know, for, uh, for film news, I thought a, a little, little hot-button issue that's going on recently, which will date this episode for whenever it comes out, uh-huh. is uh, the, uh, or, you know, if it comes out. It will come out. It could come out. It's already. Stop talking about coming out. Yeah, it's mine. It's mine. Step uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the uh, the drama surrounding the film Don't Worry Darling? Guys, yes. uh, first of all, I have been tracking that for weeks. It's on been TikTok. fucking popping off lately. That's so funny. I actually, like, I was literally watching a video about it this morning. Because now Shia LaBeouf has sent, like, text messages to, Ver- I think it was Variety Magazine, right? Yeah. And then he even sent a video of Olivia Wilde in her car. And she said in a different interview that she fired Shia LaBeouf. For reference, uh, because Mick hasn't really heard anything about this. Yeah, I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Don't Worry Darling is Olivia Wilde's second movie uh, coming off of Booksmart. It's starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Chris Pine. Chris Pine, yeah. Yeah, but it's... Sort of a like Stepford Wivesy kind of vibe of like a community where men are mysteriously controlling women in some way. Crazy, crazy, crazy how that happens. Yeah, no, in a film though, in a film. Yeah, totally fictional. Never happen in life. You're making crazy eyes and I'm literally gonna fuck you up. I'm hoping for it. I'm living for it. (laughs) 
I apologize to our listeners using headphones. <laughs> uh, so originally, Shia LaBeouf was cast in Harry Styles' role, and he either, depending on who you believe between him or Olivia Wilde, he either was kicked off of the project or left, regardless uh, what's been widely reported is that Florence Pugh was really uncomfortable with the way that he worked. It was, I think, maybe a little bit before the stuff about him abusing FKA Twigs came out. So she was already apparently uncomfortable before the allegations yes. dropped, but then the allegations dropped as well. Yeah, so Florence Pugh was having an awful time working on this movie with Shia LaBeouf. Olivia Wilde recently said that she kicked Shia LaBeouf off of the movie, and Shia LaBeouf sent a bunch of texts, emails, and a video to Variety to dispute this. And in the video, Olivia Wilde is like, I don't want to let go of you. Hopefully this will be a bit of a wake-up call to Miss Flo to get her act together. Twist. Yeah, and now Florence Pugh is doing no press for the movie. That's been talked about for, like, a couple months now because normally Florence will do, like, little drops on her story on her Instagram. She's actually... Every single time she's been in a movie, she's consistently dropped something about the movie, you know, saying like, oh, I'm so excited about this, da da da, da. And uh, people have been watching this for months. The fact that she's been like radio silence, whereas like, and then also like it's been seeming like Olivia Wilde has been kind of sucking up to Florence, maybe just a little bit. You know, saying like, oh my God, it's so great to fucking work with her, you know? Did she start doing the sucking up after the Shia LaBeouf? variety stuff came out no because they it, it was like kind of leading up to like them starting to do press she kind of dropped like you know like was dropping hints of like oh yeah it was so great to work with florence and stuff and radio silence on the other end and this is uh also around the same time that uh clip from the movie dropped where uh harry styles is just fighting for his goddamn life trying to do some sort of an accent uh, yeah and you know it's not really, not really fair to the guy to be like, this is your second movie. He had a great 10 minutes in Dunkirk. He was great in Dunkirk. <laughs> he did look Wait, was he in Dunkirk? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so things are going so hot for the press tour right now. Well, all I have to say is I am very excited for Don't Worry Darling. Uh, every trailer I watch, I think this is going to be really good. It's visually, it looks really fascinating. I love the setting. I love the era. So regardless of the behind the scenes uh, drama, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. I love Florence. I love Florence Pugh. I love, I love Chris Pine. Yeah. Nick Kroll is a, a little, again, a little gremlin. I like literally don't even know who he plays in this thing because I haven't seen him in any of the trailers, but I saw his name. I saw his name in there and I was like, where the fuck is Nick Troll? Troll. Nick Troll. Yeah. Troll. Give me the your first, folks. Nick Troll. Pay the toll. Whoopsies. Don't worry, darling. I am worried about that. What? Nick, the existence of Nick Troll. The existence of Nick Troll. That worries me. Yeah, yeah, we may have started something uh, accidental. We're kind of like Oppenheimer, oh. which brings us to our next topic. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, we saw Nope. Is that the next right. topic? Was that the next That's topic? Not the That's next topic. It's like a month ago. We have a plan for Wait, this. No, no, no. That is a segue because if I I'm didn't not, get the memo, if I'm not mistaken, is Forrest Pugh in Oppenheimer? Yes, she is. 
Oh. That, that's a segue. Yeah, that was part of the that was part of the excuse that was given for why she's not doing press. Oh. Or don't worry, darling, is because she's busy working on both Oppenheimer and Dune Two. She's Which, working on Dune as well. Yeah, she's playing yeah. Princess Irula. Or Dune yeah. Two too. Like Dune Two. Dune well. Part Two. Dune Part Two as well. Yeah. Additional. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. That's you nailed. I'm really excited <clears throat> for that because you know who's in Dune Two. Mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Austin Butler. I thought you picked that. <laughs> okay, you know hold. what? I haven't been keeping track of Dune 2, okay? And that's your mistake. Yeah. I guess so. Whatever. It's and fine. You're going to pay the toll. I didn't finish. Did I finish reading the book? I don't think I did. Oh, you should finish reading the book. Uh, yeah, I'll read. try it. I'll, I'll finish it. I'm maybe. currently slogging my way through book three. Oh, nice. I can see them literally over there. That's true. Yeah. We're, uh, we're staring at my Dune books now yeah. for reference. This, this is a visual medium. This podcast is a visual medium. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the other like interesting thing about the Don't Worry Darling situation is it like is coming amidst the absolute fucking shit show that Warner Bros. is going through. And it's one of their two movies that they're releasing for the rest of the year. And it seems like... What's the other one? Uh, Black Adam. Oh, come on, man! Gross. You don't want to see The Rock? I'll watch uh, uh, Morbius before I watch Black. That's whoa, not true. Whoa, whoa! That's not true. As soon as I said that, I I couldn't say it with a straight face. Ugh. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not excited for Black Adam. To be honest with you, I I personally I'm over the whole superhero thing. Sure. I don't think you were ever into the superhero thing to begin with. Um. I was really into Spider-Man. Hell yeah. I go. mean, but... But you're talking Sam Raimi. We're right? talking Toby. I'm talking... Yeah, I mean, like, that was when I was growing up. Yeah. My nephew was also really into it after it came out. So we used to play the video games together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Zach, what were you doing the other night? You were... You're doing a Toby. Bone size, no, ready? it wasn't that one. You were doing a Toby Maguire. <laughs> you were doing a Toby oh, Maguire. the bit where uh, Toby gets a little bit homophobic? Yes. Oh, or he's up in the cage and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. That's a cute outfit. Did your husband make it for you? Fuck you, Spider Man. Okay, well, first of all, when you did it the other night, I feel like you were a little pulled back. It works really well. But <laughs> that's true. Toby's pretty understated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Toby was just very sassy. And I, I love me a sassy man, you that's know? True. I, I, I guess I guess all in all, instead of saying that Toby was sassy, the dialogue was sassy. That dialogue was sassy. Yeah. That David Cathy really yeah. sassy. And that, that 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 came across even in the game, you know, just like the little comments that he'd make, you know, when he's like beating up a, you know, a bad goon. guy, a goon, a yeah. villain. I, in many ways, I'm I'm something of a goon myself. Yeah, and then to be fair, I love Andrew Garfield, so I stayed, I tuned in for the other Spider-Man movies. I'm not super huge on Tom Holland. He's uh, he very needs, sweet. He needs to go away. He's sweet. He needs to take his happy British ass on out of here. He's so happy. I hate to see him flourishing. He's so happy. Yeah, I don't like him it. Him and Zendaya look so cute together. Yeah. No, I'm manifesting his downfall. Okay. But that's not the only superhero that I like, but that's the only one I can think of. <laughs> good. <laughs> that's great. That was good. Wow. Uh, what was the name of that one he did with... Uh, um, with uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. Uh, the Devil All the Time. The Devil All the Time. That is probably my oh, favorite I Tom just watched, performance. I just watched that. What did you uh, think? With, let me think here. A couple months ago. Uh, I mean, 
it's a it is a little depressing but I liked it's it a, a lot. Stop inventing. Stop. <laughs> We're gonna have to mention the reasons that we'll talk to you about that later. Yeah, once yeah. you once you watch, by the way, all the Mission Impossible movies, which I wanted to have stated on the official record, you agreed to do because you haven't seen any of them, right? I haven't seen any of them. I mean, like. Uh, to be honest, growing up, I knew the Mission Impossible theme song. I just didn't even know that was from Mission Impossible. It was in Shrek. Oof. I think it was Shrek 2. You're so right. It was in You're Shrek so 2 right. when, when, the, when, when the, the Pinocchio yeah. is like coming to yeah. It's also in Paddington. Okay. Yeah. It shows up in the first Paddington movie. You can put that song anywhere and it's fantastic. Yeah, and you get exactly what it means, even if you don't have the context of knowing what the movie even is. Which I think speaks to the longevity and the power of that franchise. Yeah, no, it's great. One of the best yeah, franchises the, ever made. Or the, you know, whoever made the music. Or At the very least. At the very least. Lalo Schiffer was the original composer. Yeah, of it, okay. Kind of I <laughs> Boombox voice over here. <laughs> um, I... Yes? I'm not denying that I wanted to watch the Mission Impossible movies. It's because of Top Gun Maverick. I'm so it, glad you it, said that. It, it I'm literally, so glad you, that. you know, the first maybe like two thirds of the movie, I was like, okay, okay, you know, like this is, it's feeling nostalgic. I'm liking it, but I'm like not 100% sold. And then the last 30 minutes came in and I was like, oh, whoa, yeah. no way. This, this is making me think maybe Tom Cruise is super fucking cool and I should watch every single Mission Impossible movie. Which, Which by is the, way, a tall is order. the correct take. You had three correct takes. Yes. Immediately after the movie. Do you remember all three of them? Because I remember each one vividly. Okay, okay. It was something like, oh I my God, I've never had a moment on a Memorial Day when I've been proud to be an American. Yes, but this like, movie uh, has like, made me yeah. proud to be an American. I, I'm feeling that weird about it. Cooking. Yeah. Good. The second one was. was Mission I need Impossible. to watch All Mission Impossible. Yeah. Again, correct take. And third. What was the third one? Cars are sexy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. What was what the, what was the car? Crash. We, well, have, we need to have a whole episode dedicated to that movie. To Crash? Yes. Oh, I cited that in my review on Nope. Yeah, so we should all watch it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I did, because at the very end, I was talking about... Go read my review. Um, <laughs> Where can we find your reviews, Alexis? Uh, AlexisTheAmoeba.com, and that's A M. O-E-B-A. Today's episode is brought to you by LexusMeba.com. Please visit it at your earliest convenience. You won't be disappointed. It's on the dark web. It's on the subreddits. You can find it. FBI shut it down, but it should be back up, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, in all of its purple-pink glory. Good. I don't get that. That's good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sweaty. I wonder why. It's hot in this. It's really hot in here. We're recording from... Beautiful Van Nuys, California. Yeah. It's just the hottest apartment. It's we August. Okay, well, we, we shut off the AC. We shut off the fans because audio, you know. It, well, if you know, you know. And if you don't, we're idiot. sweating. So. Yeah. It, it, for <laughs> those of you who don't know, audio, they don't like the cold. Audio yeah. does not work well in the cold. Um, but getting back to it, uh, in the Nope review, <laughs> I talked at the very end because, like, uh, Jordan Peele talks about if you're ever making money off of <laughs> off of people uh, it's like spectacleization or whatever you know mm-hmm. and then at the very and he also talks about like the whole phenomenon of like when people are like slowing down on the freeway to see a crash oh. because everyone does it you know Great. but it's Real just tennis? like well, yeah I oh, mean wow. yeah I, I watched like 
two hours of different like interviews with him so like i'm i think i've got this covered mm. beautiful um now i have to keep that burp in i covered my mic he responded well <laughs> audience for the record, record i this might be a drive anytime i go like this with my mic y'all should probably do the same it's the same thing when you put your window down i know exactly what to expect yes expect suspect expect <laughs> excellent um anyways god damn it you were listening you were talking about you? nope and crash and yes no, top gun crash. spectacle, spectacle best franchise mission impossible there's a lot going on there's a lot going on yeah um but anyways same thing in crash everybody is just super into the slowdown everybody kind of wants to see what's going on everybody you know there's something very interesting about the spectacle of <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> we're ending our segment, What's Going On? That's right. you said it. Well done. That was a fucking hell of a segue. Cool. That was this is, is this really good? It's really good. Is this the best episode <laughs> I love of a podcast yeah. you've ever heard? Yes. I'm sweating it so good. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell. You're looking damp over there. It's, I'm a damp boy. Your cheeks are glistening. I mean, they should. I look dewy as fuck. <laughs> okay, dewy it's a skincare dogs. theme. Okay, you're you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. You also wouldn't get it. Hey, yeah, your skin me. looks your skin looks lovely, but mine oh, looks better. You. Oh, God, who doesn't need I to give be you a I give you a shirt. You have to take it from me today. Yeah, that's true. She did give me a shirt, and it's looking great. It looks great. it looks amazing. Zach does look I'll great today. I have, if you weren't watching the YouTube uh, video of this, it looks great. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I, yeah, we'll take a picture of you. It's gonna be doing numbers. Yeah. Let's sit in this. <laughs> Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> so uh, do we wanna do we wanna move on to our big topic? I think we should move on to our big topic. So we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, the year of 2019 and 2019 films because Big Daddy uh, 2019. Why is why is it Big Daddy 2019? What is it about 2019 that warrants well, discussion? I made a list of like a bunch of movies that came out in 2019 that are just like, wow, we love it. Um, do you want to hear some? Let's let's rattle them off. All right. For the record, we were all in school together in 2019. We were so all attending we film school. Very... We were all film majors in 2019. Yeah, we yeah. definitely we I, definitely saw some of these. Together. I think that personally, for me, that was like my favorite Oscars year, and I don't know if it was just because there were so many of us that were like, like me and Mick specifically went to the theater so many times just to see movies that were going to be Oscar nominees. You know, we had we had. What is it? A hand in it? Yeah, your finger on the pulse? Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, 2019 was a godsend for movies. Uh, I think we can all agree. Uh, it was just it was just one hit after the other, which was fantastic. I personally was going through some personal things at the time, getting out of a long-term relationship, so it was a perfect time to just go to the cinema at my house of worship and just it, get doused with uh, intellect and, and art. Uh, uh, art. I'm and so glad you were getting doused. I was doused. We were right. definitely getting yeah. doused. I was getting doused. Because you could out. order alcohol at the theater we went to, so we were, yes. we were always a little yeah. doused. Yes. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the minor, the minor. theater in I Arcata, California. I if you're ever passing through far northern Cali, go ahead and stop there. It's a, it's a beautiful little indie theater. Yeah. Like, the minor is a theater, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't stop by a minor 
yeah. in Arcadia, no, California. It's a specific minor. Go to the theater. It's a specific it's minor. minor. It, has a, it has a trap door in it, actually. That was what? Uh, designed. No, it's true. <laughs> it, no, it's yeah, true. You're talking about our apartment. No, 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 no. You're no. talking about it's, where you would keep the, the minor theater. theater has Did a, Houdini perform there? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Yes, the, the minor theater, for those of you who don't know, is a heritage site in yeah. my heart because it is the longest running movie theater in the United States. Yeah. That means it was built in the 19-teens, and it, was, it has operated as a cinema the whole time. It was only shut down for renovations, and there's a trap door in the main auditorium that was actually built there so that Houdini could perform his act, and he uh, sadly passed away a couple days later. Gabagool. Gabagool. So Gabagool. Is that true? What? He passed away a few days later? Yeah, I don't know. He was like, oh, you punched me in the stomach. Oh, I'm going to die now. Is he Italian? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? I didn't hey, know that. squat little Italian man got punched in the gut, dad? Oh my god. Uh, okay. Wait, no, but we do know that Houdini died from getting punched really hard. In the I stomach, knew that. Right? I didn't know that he was Italian. Oh. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. His mustache. Yeah, no. He, what? <laughs> he had a mustache, right? No, he didn't! No, that was just for the act. <laughs> no, he didn't! Did he not have a mustache? At no point! <laughs> Look him up! No, we're doing some research right now. We're getting derailed from 2019 movies, but... Okay, as Nick does this, I'm going to He had a mustache. He could have had one. He didn't, but he could have. And he would have looked great. But yeah, 2019, it was an incredible year for movies. It's almost like we should have known that all movies were going to go away for a year because it was so fucking good. In retrospect, that's actually God gives and God takes, right? Yes. Yeah. It's sort so of I'm like, a religious man, and I believe that. I, that's easy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, God's God explaining, it's like, guys, you're going to have nothing for a while, so just here's a bunch of fantastic, yeah. fantastic pictures. All right, All right sorry, please rattle little, them off. Rattle. Let's, let's, get, let's get a little list going. We got Parasite, right? We got Us. We got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Midsummer, 1917, Doctor Sleep, Little Women, Honey Boy, Jojo Rabbit, the Gentleman, Ready or Not, which I think Zach actually really likes, and Zach's favorite movie of 2019, Cats. Yeah. <laughs> and you missed Mick's favorite movie of 2019, which was The Lighthouse. I mean, oh, okay. in all honesty, that's Zach's favorite movie of 2019 yeah. too. But we yeah, do have to shout out Cats, the movie that uh, destroyed movie theaters. It, but <laughs> we had to we had to take a break yeah. and think about what we did. I remember I I love that when a movie comes out fresh and everyone's discussing like, is this a career ender? <laughs> but know? for like so many famous people, yeah. the cast of that movie is buck fucking wild. So a little bit of context for when I went and saw the film Cats. I had a, uh, a running joke with my friend Sage that uh, when I was in high school theater, I was going to direct a one-man production of Cats starring Sage. Uh, so when the film came out, I connected back up with like probably about 20 people who went to my high school, and we all went and saw Cats in a Cats play. Everyone did cat's makeup, we wore a cat's hat, we got wildly drunk. It was one of the best cinematic experiences what? of my life. Can I, can I ask, Please. at the risk of sounding like a noob, what's a cat's hat? A cat's hat? Well, you know, it's just like a jaunty it's a, it's hat. It's a, it's a like, top uh, hat. Yeah. No, top, it was. A top hat? Yeah. But okay. like jaunty. 
Is it like a jaunty cat? Like is, a it, is it a cat? Is it cat's hat because you wore it to cats, or is it a cat's hat? It's the original term. Like That's Abraham Lincoln term? was known for wearing a cat's, a cat's hat. hat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then in the 1980s, it got yeah. rebranded as a jellicle hat. Yes. And is that why you say jellicle all it, the time? Or is it yeah, from no, the movie? No, that's why. <laughs> it's fun that we can just lie to Alexis. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's it's cute that she I, like still gaslighting is a real. You're just crazy. And uh, this I, episode is brought to you by Gaslighting Women. <laughs> gaslighting Women, a staple of the film industry since its inception. <laughs> Good take, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna burst a blood vessel. <laughs> I swear to God. I can tell. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just naturally gullible. What can I say? Just... Something, something about being a sweet little gremlin, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I like a big lumbering golem. You that's can't right. trick a golem. You can't trick a lumbers <laughs> about. Yeah. It's one, It's on a one track, and that track is the film cast. Don't golems usually just say one word? Uh, I feel like they don't really say anything, and they're controlled by a wizard. Okay. Well. Well, that clarifies things. <laughs> Excellent. I'm so happy. So uh, yeah, we've talked a little, talked a little cats. Uh, yeah, you know, just like 2019. What were, what were some of your guys's like most memorable experiences at the theater that year? That's a fantastic question, and I thank you yeah. for it. I thank you for your service. Yeah. Well, you know. Jesus. Go ahead, Nick. You can call me Nick. It's fine. Um, so. Sergeant. Uh, personally, uh, my favorite, um, one that really resonates with me is The Lighthouse. Uh, I saw that on a rainy night with a, a friend of mine, and we smuggled in an uh, entire bottle of red wine. And we decided that any time a character in the film took a drink, we would drink as well. <laughs> and now the theater, uh, before we went into the, uh, we were in the lobby before we went to the auditorium, I asked one of the employees of the minor theater, have you seen it? What did you think? And they said, I saw it. I love it. Let me know what you think. So we go in, we watch the movie. It was about five minutes into it. I already knew it was a fever dream, like something you, you don't see since the, the uh, German expressionist cinema of the, of the old days. Really, really great. So we leave, the movie ends, we go into the lobby, and everyone in the theater is dead quiet. No one's saying anything to each other. And we go in, and one of the employees goes, so what did you think? And we all just kind of looked at each other, and we didn't, didn't know. And as I said, it was raining outside. If you remember, the minor theater out front, there was an, like an, an awning, of a covered area that you could stand under at the, at the ticket booth. And because it was downpour, all of us, maybe a good 20 of us, we didn't know each other. It was just me and my friend, all these people I didn't know. We ended up all standing under this covered area for probably a good 15, 20 minutes discussing what we had just been through. Because we all agreed we felt like a little crazy. We felt like we didn't know what reality was because the movie was just so effective at kind of tearing down your idea of what's real and what isn't. And that's the first and I think only time a movie was so impactful that a theater full of people who didn't know one another decided to all talk amongst each other at the end of the film. And I remember thinking that that is why I felt what I felt watching this because you just, you had to discuss it. You had to talk about it. It was like, oh yeah, that was a cool moment. Yeah, that was great. Then you go home and do your thing. It brought people together. It was like a community. Uh, um, it was, it was, yeah, it was like a sense of community. It was fantastic. So that's why I have to 
tip my hat to Robert Eggers and Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe and everyone else involved with that project for just bringing what I thought was the year's best uh, cinematic experience. That was fantastic. Alexis, you uh, you want to follow that? I want to follow that. I never want to follow Mick. No. I sort of got yeah, every no, time. You want to stay as far away from that guy as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I think every time I hear Mick talk, I think to myself, did you prepare something in advance? Because that felt really prepared, and uh, now I feel really like I'm not going to do good. You were going to talk about Avengers Endgame, were you? No, but you know what I realized did come out in 2019 that I was thinking about? What? The last Star Wars movie came out. Oh! oh. <laughs> I, was Wait, which one was I was forced, uh, fucking, the one with the dumbass title, uh... The Rise of Skywalker. Fuck that movie. I love That's one people, of my least favorite movies. Still haven't seen it. I, I, still I love haven't when seen people it. kind of like rework all the titles like around the different movies and they're like, this is what this should have actually been called. But you know what? I make no complaints because I love Adam Driver. Me and Tesla, this was another one of our friends that went to film school with us. We literally went to go see it like I think weeks, weeks after it came out. And so it was like the theater was basically empty and we were just like whispering to each other like, oh, look at it. Daddy, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie. I could hear how thirsty you were the minute you said the words Adam Driver. Yeah, I, no, that was I think it got a little sweaty right thick here. with sexual tension. <laughs> it got muggy. <laughs> I'm muggy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daddy Driver, folks. <laughs> but uh, so one film that I remember seeing in 2019 that was pretty impactful. Unless you want to. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow after you. I'm gonna follow after you. That okay. wasn't my film. Okay, because uh, the the one that I really remember being impactful <laughs> was uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because I saw was, that together at the minor. I was down here in LA. I was helping my friend Drew nice. shoot a movie, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out literally my last night in LA, or maybe it was two nights before I left. So. I was staying in Westwood at a friend's place, and I went down to the Bruin Theater, which is sort of a L.A. landmark. It's right by UCLA, and I went in, was sitting in the movie, and I knew that it had kind of shot in that area because my friend had talked about how the streets around her place were shut down, and there's a point where Margot Robbie goes to see herself, and Margot Robbie as Sharon, Sharon Tate. Oh my God, Sharon Stone? Oh that was doing? close, but you saved it. Yeah. You know I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> uh, she goes to see herself in a movie, and it is literally the theater that I'm sitting in, and the audience just like erupted when that happened. And That's it great. was just like one of those moments where yeah. you're like, ah, oh, man. Right? City of stars. City of Angels. That was an L.A. moment. It's an L.A. moment. It's one of those things where you, you, get, you get romantic about, about film. Yeah. So, That's you know. part of why I love living here, actually. Yeah. It's because of what we do for a living. It's pretentious as hell. But well, like, I, I love yeah, it. it is. But also, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with being romantic about our passion. How can you not be romantic about movies? Exactly. I mean, that's why, that's why we're all here. Yeah. Getting romantic. Yeah. Warm, warm apartment. I gotta say, um, I love I it like when your you... guys' voice drops when you talk to each other. Huh? It's very intimate. Doing some for you? Is it? Doing is this doing something for you? It's doing some for me. Thank God, we're not recording video. 
you guys are just going to have to imagine what was happening there. If I, I'm so sorry. If I may it. add really quickly to your Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing, you can have something you want, I loved about that movie was it's not a time travel film, but that's probably one of the best time travel movies I've ever witnessed because it felt like you went back to the late 60s and you were witnessing something that happened then. And I think the big, the big thing that did that for me was when you're riding in a car with any character, you would hear advertisements on the radio that, that would happen back then. And you kind of got this sense like, oh, there was just as much advertising back then as there is today, but it's just all dated. It, it brought you to that era, and it was one of my favorite movies of the year, too. Hands down. Great choice. All right. Alexis, it's, it's all on you. It's now. all on you. Really hard time out of like uh I mean I saw so many movies with Mick and right sorry I mean we, I think we went I to know. go see we went to go see 1917 and Parasite together I don't remember yeah. yeah right but I think uh maybe it was it might be Little Women or Jojo Rabbit for me and I think I actually saw those by myself each time you know why because my mom is such a sweet woman and she was sent she never sends text messages because she's not very tech savvy right. But she was sending me text messages as like Oscars were coming up, right? And she was just like, you know what? I think you would really enjoy this movie called Jojo Rabbit. It just seems really interesting and something you might like. And so I was like, well, you know, my mom never reaches out. But, you know, I, I like to... She was the one who said that she loved licorice pizza. And I know you you fuckers love that shit. Okay, she saw that four times in the theater. Hell yeah. Okay. Like your mom's she really? Lady. She did. She went and saw Licorice Pizza four times. Gotta have your mom on the yeah. that's, <laughs> that's another story, but I loved watching that with Zach for a very specific reason. Yeah, and I went to go see it with my dad, and I did not love it. And so it was a very interesting experience. I was just like, what, what is everyone smoking? <laughs> you know? But um, no, my mom's on your team. So I don't know. You know, maybe she's a little questionable. Who cares? Ratioed. Yeah. I love Jojo Rabbit. I loved Little Women. I literally went I saw to go... Little Women with my mom. I haven't seen that movie yet. You know me. I love myself a good period drama. I love myself a literary adaption. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the type of person I like to go to movies alone when I know that it's something that I'm going to cry in so that I can really cry <laughs> in the theater in the dark by myself. That's a Greta Gerwig <laughs> film, right? It is a Greta Gerwig okay. film. Yeah, so you have like... Emma Watson, uh, Florence Pugh, yeet, okay, yeet. yeah, uh, great. Uh, honestly, Amy should not be as likable as she is, and Florence makes her super likable. And of course, Timothy Chalamet. So and Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. That's my girl. Saoirse. That is my girl. Man, I you're love her. These names. That's a stacked film. Bob it, it is. It is. Emily. I, I saw. I I'd been following that movie Emma Watson. for Emma like. Watson. I've been following that. Like I've I've read Little Women. Like I follow I followed that movie. Like when I heard that Greta Gerwig was gonna do it, I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, because mm -hmm. I love Lady Bird. I went to Catholic school for like nine years, so Lady Bird hit a little different for me. <laughs> it was a little bit too relatable in a lot of ways, you know. But so I saw Little Women, and I don't know. There was just there was something really sweet, and I was I think the only person under thirty in the theater. When I went to go see that's it. That's hell yeah. The best. It was that's great. I was just in the back so, like, seat. I was in because it's Arcata, so it's real cold and it was raining during that season. So I had like my giant jacket on and it's just me just like crying, like ugly crying in the back. I love that. Right. I love that for me. The that's only great. other experience that I had that was as good as that crying in the theater by myself was when I went to go see the last Harry Potter movie on Valentine's Day by myself. Nice. So it was just me with a lot of couples 
and then just crying. Uh, also, <laughs> Harry Potter's come up, so I just have to say, uh, J.K. Rowling, fuck you, turfs eat shit. Uh, you know, just gotta just gotta bring that up. Yeah, I'm, it's sad. I enjoyed I enjoyed a Harry Potter as much yeah, as the next man, but it must it must be sad that, that she can go yeah. and fuck herself. Yeah. That shit was my life, and so when she did that, that made me so sad. I was like, wow, okay, you really just ruined this shit. And it's just a fucking <laughs> massive piece of shit here. Cool, cool, <laughs> yeah, cool, 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 Sick, no sick, doubt. sick. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Little Women might have been my choice, just because uh, it's not often that I come across a literary adaption that feels better than other films that I've seen and feels fresh. You know, like the costuming was great, the acting was great. Florence Pugh, oh my god, I love it when she does her little pout. She's so cute. Also, like, you know, it's not necessarily like the most subtle choice, but like the shift in color grading between the present and the past in that movie is mm -hmm. like very effective. Yeah, like it's a movie that doesn't need to like spoon feed you where you are in the narrative just because of like that sort of simple choice you're just yeah. like you're grounded in where you're at i yeah i felt like that really worked i think that worked uh especially well when you're like going like back and forth between like where they lose one of the sisters yeah um and i don't know there's just well you know like film is so much it's it's all show don't tell right and so when joe comes down the stairs and she sees this where um, her sister normally sits. I think her name is Beth. Is that the one? Who that sounds says? right. I think so. <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, <laughs> who cares? I'm sorry. Spoilers for Little Women, by the way. God. A book that's oh been out since God. the 1800s. You yeah. ruined this for me. <laughs> oh, I yeah, thought no, Beth was going to make it. She comes down the stairs, and there's already been like a previous scene where you've seen um, you know, the sister kind of just like sitting there. You've seen the sister sitting there, and uh, then you, you get Joe coming down the stairs and looking at his face, it's empty. And I think those are always, like, moments that I really love in films, like in Les Miserables, where he does the empty chairs or empty tables. There's a grief that can't be spoken. <laughs> There's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs and empty tables. Now my friends are dead and gone. Beautiful. Um, yeah. oh, thank you. Thank Lovely. you. Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Um, but yes. Singing will be love, used intermittently. I, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you sang along. <laughs> yeah. I feel like anytime intermittent happen, you're going to be a part of it. I'm a theater kid. I'm obligated. And I can sing, okay? I was wrong on the last note there, but I can usually <laughs> sing. <laughs> I will fully admit I was wrong on that last note. But I know that because I uh, did musical theater, right? I did so, opera. Uh, it's a little different. I, I think we should maybe move on to our uh, our tw specific 2019 film that we want to yeah. dig into. I did not see that film in 2019. Nor did I. You didn't, did you? Which one? The our one film. we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I did see it. Our I mystery saw it in theaters. Well, you saw it. Oh, I wish I'd seen it in theaters. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, do we just want to say what it is? Do we want to come out and say it? Uh, yeah, I think we should. I'll let you guys go first I since think we you guys come are. It. The gentleman. Yeah! Yeah! Come on! <laughs> Let's go! That's this great. is what people come stole, to us for! I stole the show in two Well done. <laughs> no one else can do what we do! 
to the only podcast about film. I mean, if you close your eyes, maybe. Yeah. But you open your ears. <laughs> Anyways, good segue. The Gentleman, directed by Guy Ritchie in 2019. Um, I want to go on record. I, th- I think we all agree with this. That is an underrated movie. Like, a profoundly underrated movie. It gets lost in the shuffle of 2019 movies. I don't hear anyone talking about The Gentleman when I'm not talking with one of you two. Yeah, because it's always <laughs> and like... And that's wrong. Once that's Upon wrong. a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, which, I mean, to be fair... Like, Uncut yeah, Gems, yeah. which, by the way, we yeah. didn't discuss Uncut enough. Gems, that's another fantastic movie. I saw that on Christmas with my boy Jake. It was a phenomenal that's experience. That's great. It's another movie I watched by myself. Hell yeah. I was tense. <laughs> tense yeah. the whole yeah. time. Sweating I was, like I am now. I was stressed. But the gentleman. Yeah, yeah, so the gentleman. <laughs> we can't help it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's good. It's good. It's so good. the gentleman. It's good for the podcast. Yeah. yeah um, it's good for Mick's heart. So uh, why did, why are we choosing to talk about the gentleman other than the fact that it's, uh, it's an underrated film? Okay. This came up because, actually, you know what? I came over. You guys said you wanted to do the gentleman, and I agreed because I've been meaning to rewatch the gentleman because I saw Bullet Train, and it gave me the gentleman vibes but it didn't do it as well and so i needed to rewatch it to be like was this as good as i remember it being or was it not in other know. words what is the guy ritchie secret sauce exactly. exactly i'd like to talk about guy ritchie Me too. for a moment my older brother edwin said something about him that i profoundly agree with which is that watching a good guy ritchie movie is like watching listening to a drunk cockney man try to explain what he did on his weekend to you yeah and like it doesn't always like totally track but there's so much energy and he's so excited about it that you're just like all right man he's like yeah you know we went down we had a bit of a whiff it and then me and droy i got in a bit of a bad kiss and then we had a fish and chip yeah like he'll say something it's good yeah he'll say something like this guy is going off the rails but then 15 minutes later after the third beer he brings it back he's like oh how did he remember how did he remember I this guy was blackout this guy's a master storyteller to get in the booze in him all right it's fantastic no i completely agree with you i know i know critics uh find his structure and pacing to be uh superfluous and distracting I disagree. I think it, I think it's I think it's his it's his method, you know, and it's really really good. It really works. It works really well in the Sherlock Holmes movies. It works really really well. It yeah, works we're, really good. We're in, Sherlock Holmes defenders over here. Absolutely. You like Sherlock Holmes, right? I love Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. That's They're a great. yes. Yeah. Homoerotic, delightful. I yep. love. Okay, can I just say one thing? I love anything homoerotic. And then you're gonna love Guy Ritchie's entire oeuvre. Yeah, because exactly. That's we were discussing was the, is that part of the secret sauce? And it is. You know what it is? I think is that just like in like what you think of maybe like eighties, nineties, maybe early two thousands, even like story structure surrounding like men and women and their relationships together. It just doesn't feel right sometimes. Like it doesn't feel real. But that camaraderie between men, because you know men really love each other. You know? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. Oh, yeah. You you see it in Top Gun, and my favorite thing about Top Gun is that the people who love Top Gun for the masculinity don't even see the homoeroticism, and the fact that they can't see it and it's all I see tickles me. 
<laughs> it tickles something. It's it tickles tickled. something. <laughs> and you know what? It's probably tickling something inside them. They just don't know it. Exactly. I, that's I, 100% that's, that's, true. I was, that's the best part. I was on set with someone once. We were talking about Top Gun, and I mentioned the fact that oh, I love how homoerotic it is. And they were genuinely like, what are you talking about? And I, and I explained to him uh, the movie. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I tell it like I and I preface it with by the way this is what makes it excellent. Yeah. You know, this is not a cr- critique. This adds yeah. to it and he didn't like he got defensive. Yeah. So no, I just think you're wrong. There is No, I that's no. Like what? There's something so right about the energy between Iceman and Maverick that you just can't really express it. Absolutely. Words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can only express it with that shot of Val Kilmer chewing gum. Yes, just. And no one chews the fucking scenery. <laughs> Literally God chewing damn. the scenery there. Yeah. But that brings it back to Guy Ritchie and his homoeroticism. Uh, for the life of me, I cannot, off the top of my head, remember any homoeroticism from Snatch. There is some in there, right? Or, or is that there? I, I think just in general, when you have like a lot of guys who are performing masculinity in like those kind of like. You know, like the subsections of like, you know, like gangs and stuff like that that's going on in like Snatch. Right. Like the performity makes it homoerotic because they're saying things that it's like, you know, kind of like trying to say that somebody's queer, but in saying these things, sometimes they're actually saying things that you're like, I don't know, man, you sound a little off to me. Which you is know? what I love about Guy Ritchie's movie Rock and Rolla yeah. is that there's a film in his canon where the like queer subtext becomes text like there is a prominent gay character who's played by the incomparable Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy. Yeah. who uh, is incredibly likable and the fact that he is gay and eventually uh, Gerard Butler discovers that the rest of the gang is totally cool with that it just like sends Gerard Butler into a spiral about his sexuality, and also it's implied that they fucked uh, heavily. Yeah, I'm heavily. It's I've not seen it, but you you're you're really selling it. Yeah. You're, you're selling cast. it for sure. Great cast, Gerard. But it's uh, I love Gerard. Idris, Idris, yeah, Idris Elba's Elba's in it. Stack cast. Jim Tom Daddy. Wilkinson, right? Uh, yeah, Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. Uh, is it Thandie Newton? I, I don't know. I think Fanny Newton's in that. Maybe. It's been a while for me. I really hope Fanny Newton's in that, because if not, I'm being racist, and I'm, I'm going to Why are you being going racist? Well, oh, just, because you you're just... Know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Don't say well. you never know. <laughs> okay. Jesus. Can I this just is say the that? first episode. I, okay. I specifically wanted to rewatch this movie, because I needed to know whether or not Bullet Train was giving me what it was giving me in the which way movie? that I didn't want it. Uh, Bullet Train. And you were watching Bullet Train for which movie? Had to the rewatch the gentleman, had to re-watch the because, gentleman she watched. because I wanted and, to and we're refer back. back. Yeah. I see yeah. what you were doing. Yes, 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 yes. That was good. That was subtle. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I'd I like to really quick bring up one other element of the Guy Ritchie secret sauce, uh, which is incredibly stupid names. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> A staple. that man loves to give just like British gang members some of the stupidest fucking names in existence and I wrote down some of my favorites from all of his movies and I'm just gonna rattle them off real quick doing maybe not my best but an adequate Guy Ritchie impression do it it. Kung Fu George 
Gorgeous George, Dry Eye, Boy Sweat Dave, Bullet Tooth Tony, Turkish, Eggs Benny, and Jim Jim the Iron Chin. Like, need, need we say more? Who, who names people that? <laughs> the one that haunts my dreams is Boy Sweat Dave, because Boy Sweat that's, Dave. that's just gross. Yeah, I'm currently a bit of a boy sweat sack in this. I'm apartment. literally talking about how we're all sweaty boys all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all I might get that one. But <laughs> <laughs> Boy Sweat Alexis. Boy sweat. Boy sweat that's, Alexis. That's how you have to introduce That's the name of your you should now. change your website to that boy sweat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, fuck what I already marketed it as. Boy sweat Alexis is what's right. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think that, that like genuinely is part of the appeal of Guy Ritchie is like to use a, a another British term, like he's he's taking the piss, you know, he's not taking anything super seriously, and he is just a hammered Cockney man trying to show you a good time. Yes, and I always have a good well, time. I, I agree with that. It, uh, part of I'm going to mention Sherlock Holmes again. Uh, I was a fan, soft fan, I'd say, of the BBC uh, Benedict Cumberbatch version. Of, of Sherlock Holmes. I liked it. I didn't love it the way I do with the movies. That's because, one, I told you, I think Sherlock Holmes should take place in the 1890s. I love that period. It works for the story. I love that it takes place in that. And going to the homoeroticism, I prefer the movies because the homoeroticism between Holmes and Watson is way more pronounced than the BBC version. And even, I don't want to misquote him but Stephen Fry who as we know is a gay man uh, part of why he agreed to play Mycroft was because he liked that the Guy Ritchie uh, version played up the homoeroticism because he said it's in the text Yeah. so the fact that he's adapting it this way made me more excited as a queer person to actually be in it at all so I thought that was really cool and, and I, yeah. I'm glad that you know Stephen Fry agrees with my take because as we all know he's a brilliant man and it kind of reflects on me I love Stephen Fry. His, okay, to be fair, fuck J.K. Rowling, but Stephen Fry's narration of the Harry Potter books is ooh. I always, exquisite. I always liked the other ones. It was. Uh, uh, I also read the. I've listened I, to those ones. Jake Busey. Yeah, Jake Busey. <laughs> I'm not gonna remember the narrator of uh, the Harry Potter audiobooks. It was. Yeah. Oh no, I am. It's Jim Dale. It's Jim um, Dale. Jim I do Dale. really like those ones. He does a very good Scottish accent. Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, that's probably what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Should I have narrated? You those? probably should have. I yeah. probably should have. I do a pretty. Just good put out your own. <laughs> change this. Just Don't change this. Change the story. Yeah, no, I'll put it out for free online. That won't get me into trouble, right? Uh, That'll be okay. If it's for free, I think you're fine. Yeah, no. I don't know. I can but, just um... like distribute her books for free. <laughs> um, so should we should we talk a little bit about what the gentleman is about? Yes. I feel like we've... How do you do that succinctly? Oh, okay. All right, so I think you got to start it like, a guy, like every single Guy Ritchie movie starts where you go, let me tell you a story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially it's about Mickey Pearson, who is a marijuana kingpin in London, and he is trying to give up his criminal empire. Uh, he's trying to sell it to... Uh, Jimmy Strong's character, who's Matthew. Name, thank you, Matthew. Uh, but he 
His business starts running into trouble as it's sabotaged by Dry Eye, who's an up-and-coming member of a Chinese gang. Uh, so yeah, I feel like, the, and meanwhile, the story is being told, framed through the narration of Hugh Grant Fletcher, who's a skeezy British journalist who's been tasked with taking down uh, Mickey's empire. Buenas tardes, Raimundo. I live and die for Hugh Grant as Fletcher. Amazing. I mean, first of all, that red leather coat jacket that he wears looks it's incredible. Sexy. The the glasses he wears, and then his lines are just so. Um, they're a little offensive, but they're really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just really coming on strong to Charlie Hunnam, yeah, and it's I'm so I'm so into it. As we were so watching unsubtle. it, as we were watching it the other night, I, something about the, the great thing about the gentleman is that it is its own fan fiction. Yes. you know, it's like it alludes to something, and then it goes, you know what? No, no, we're, this is just what happens. Yeah, this is just the relationship between. I think at Raymond some point he literally puts his hand on Fletcher. Charlie Hunnam's uh, yes, like thigh. Yep, and he's just like yes. <laughs> oh goody! I have a bottle. <laughs> also, the iconic bit where Charlie Hunnam says, "I'm going to bed. Can I come? No. Okay. Well, maybe you'll just come anyway." <laughs> yeah. St Standing in the shadows, scratching in the dark, wanking into a hanky. There it is. <laughs> we all did it together. Okay. And we all wanked into a hanky together. Colin Farrell's coach in yeah, The Gentleman, too, which was he's fantastic. Great. He is so good in he's that so movie. Good. Yeah. He's so, I, so good. I, I've seen Colin Farrell in so many things, but I think I enjoy him so much just in Guy Ritchie stuff when he's like playing an Irish dude. I don't know. Is that the only movie he's in? That uh, might be his only I think Guy Ritchie is. film. Is that? It yeah. is. He's, I think the other stuff, I mean, obviously he's been in a bunch of Irish movies, but... You have to watch the Martin McDonough stuff. Yeah, you Martin need McDonough to watch is Bruges, the right? other big Irish director who he's Wait, what movie? With. In Bruges. In yeah. Bruges? That's the one I haven't seen. It's so... It, I know, I'm, I know. It's like on my list of like things to see. It's still, I think, probably my favorite performance from Colin Farrell. I think. Which is saying something after the Batman and the gentleman. But good God. So oh, good. Really? It's so good. Yeah. Okay. I gotta check it out. I just have like these like random little things like on my laptop. Yeah, let's ra rattle out your notes, please. You yeah. were actually yeah, taking notes. Took when notes. We that was this movie. fantastic. Alexis was the only okay. one who was on her shit, so. Well, because I really like, well, because I, I still need to do my review for Bullet Train on my blog, so I had to take notes because I had to know like. What was the Guy Ritchie secret sauce that makes this work and makes Bullet Train not work as well? And what I decided was actually that um, even though you do have flashbacks in The Gentleman, it's told through the narration, whereas in Bullet Train, it actually just flashes back to a flashback and you're just kind of taken out of the actual story itself. And it, it just feels like it kind of stops the storyline. But... At the very beginning of this movie, I think it was Mick who said, Guy Ritchie has the potential to be exceptionally average, but when he hits, he hits. That's fair. Did yeah. I say that? I it, it was one of you two. No, that it was, was Mick. Me. Yeah, no, Mick it said had that. Been you. He was yeah. probably thinking about statement. last year's Wrath of Man. Which... Oh, okay. I see. I forgot about that already. Yeah, it's because it's not British. Theaters tomorrow. Exactly. Um, and then at the very beginning when Flesher is starting to talk to Charlie Hunnan, Charlie Hunnan tells him, you deluded shit-eating cunt. And he says, 
I love it when you talk dirty to me. I love it when you yes. talk dirty to me. <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, Hugh Grant's character actually reminds me of one of the characters in Bullet Train, um, who's played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. So, like, well, this is a much sexier take on the, t- the, the character. When but, Hugh Grant does it? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. <laughs> but I agree another with that. thing. No, I would too. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't even being funny. <laughs> the, that wasn't a joke. Yeah. The dialogue is super rhythmic in The Gentleman. Like, there's actually like a score underneath that's just like a little bit, it's kind of heavy on the bass. And if you, like, you kind of don't notice it at first, but as you go on, you'll, you'll find that the dialogue is actually like in sync with that, that beat. Yeah. And uh, it really just drives the story forward. And then another Hugh Grant little thing he says. Don't be silly. I'm just lubing you up. <laughs> yes. See, it's like it's so on the table. And then the next note after that was the Guy Ritchie secret sauce is homoeroticism. <laughs> we established that last night. Yeah, no, no it's, just, it's established. The secret sauce is some hanky wank. Yeah, we all know. Uh, I I did make a note of license to kill. It seemed a bit on the nose. We got some, you know, Harry Henry Golden. He defended the movie, so uh, he said it's not racist. I don't know. Oh, if we're gonna get into racism in the gentleman, we've got to take it away, Zach. We've got to talk about the ending of the film. Uh, <laughs> so, Jeremy Strong's character uh, remind me of his name again. Matthew. Matthew. Matthew is a Jewish businessman who uh, it's revealed that he's been orchestrating the sort of attacks on uh, Mikey, Mickey's business. There's been some fuckery afoot. Yeah. He's been orchestrating the attacks on Mickey's business to bring down the asking price uh, so that he can buy his marijuana operation for cheap. Uh, And when Mickey finds this out, uh, he essentially because his wife was involved and almost sexually assaulted in this attack on his business, he tells Matthew that the cost of that transgression is going to be a pound of flesh. Uh, and then he proceeds to quote the Merchant of Venice before sending Matthew into a meat freezer to cut a pound of flesh off of his body. And for those of you who don't know, The Merchant of Venice Venice is a Shakespeare play which features Shylock, who Shylock has literally become a slur for Jewish people, or at least it was. And it's a character that plays into the tropes of Jewish people as greedy money lenders who are out to exploit and something that Shylock demands when a loan of his can't be paid is a pound of flesh. So forcing a Jewish character to cut a pound of flesh off of their body and having the film's narrative kind of support that as a brutal but like justified action. Because I think that's the thing that separates it from Fletcher, you know, being casually racist when he's telling the story is like the the narrative does not want you to necessarily sympathize with Fletcher like he's fun to watch but you know he's a fucking piece of shit and all of that stuff well you know it is definitely uncomfortable at points I don't think the film 
endorses it in the same way that it endorses the yeah, yeah the violence against Matthew. So I don't know. I, I I do again love the film. I think it's a blast, but I think that that's something that definitely has to be discussed because it's uh, it's uncomfortable. And, yeah, I'm, it puts it puts a bad taste in your mouth. I'm glad you brought that up because I was not aware of that, like the whole uh, uh, Merchant of Venice and, and the Pound of Flesh thing. I wasn't personally aware of that being a, a racial uh, uh, connotation. Uh, but I, I, I get what you mean. Sometimes you have to be like, okay, well, is that the character being racist or is the film being racist? And I think in this ins uh, instance, you're right because as you're saying, the narrative is kind of going in that direction where when you get that questionable choice from our main character the film is basically saying yeah it's his comeuppance it's it, this is the bad guy's comeuppance and this is the way he's going through it so as an audience member like myself even i'm going yeah pound of flesh take it off him because of what almost happened to his wife so yeah knowing that now it's a little um you know it's a bit it's I, gross there's some fuckery afoot I, I think i didn't even realize that matthew was a jewish character in the movie yeah, they bring it up when he's introduced. His Mossad uh, crabs. And Fletcher oh, refers they even okay. do the Fletcher refers to him as a Jew. Oh, yeah. okay. That makes so much more sense. So to me that seems like maybe Guy Ritchie was trying to like I don't want to say subvert because you're clearly not subverting like a trope in doing it that way, but he was like trying to turn it on its head by putting it like a because normally it's like what did they what did you say? It was like a Jewish person would ask for a pound that, of flesh. That's what Shylock does in the play. Yeah. Okay. But I, I think the thing is that Matthew's paying for the same vice yeah. that Shylock has. It's greed. And yeah. it's something that, you know, has been a fucking trope yeah, about but, Jewish people for and centuries. So, and so normally, like, well, specifically in that play, like, Shylock is the one who's asking for the pound of flesh, though, right? Yeah. Okay. But So I, Guy Ritchie is trying to take this and kind of turn it against him, you know? Yeah, so which seems, I, I feel like... No, no, no. I feel that, like that's more interesting. I know, I was going to say that's worse. <laughs> no, that's, no, I'm saying that... Why would you do that? Yeah. That's yeah, my yeah, question yeah, 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 is like, sure. like, why would you specific, like maybe if you did that to a character who wasn't Jewish, but if you're going to specifically turn the tables on a, a Jewish character and specifically do it in that way that has like that history of that play behind it, it definitely is a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. Fun movie though. I love the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> it's really good. I okay. just, I can't not bring that up. Yeah, no, no we have to. No, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I didn't even know that. Right? That's no, see, I didn't either. I love history lessons, you know? <laughs> like, I love a little bit of history. Context like, is important. You know what you said also? You said that he was the Quentin Tarantino across the pond because both of them used their actors to say racially questionable things. Reasonably questionable things. No, you got yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. that's right. No, I did say that, didn't you I? Did. That sounds like something I'd say. Reasonably questionable things. I'm the one. I'm the one who. Well, maybe I wrote it down. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you definitely said he's. He, he might be the Quentin Tarantino across the pond. Well, I think yes. I mean, I said it's, that as as a joke, but also I think it's kind of true. No, though. it is. Though. It is kind of true. He's where like, Tarantino's constantly using the N word in his movies. That too, but I think I think you could say that he's also the Quentin Tarantino from Across the Pond, just because of how uh, first of all the stylized yeah. dialogue, yeah. Uh, uh, the, um, the non-linear structure. Uh, they, all, both their movies are always cool, and I also want to throw yeah. another name in there, which I'm 
glad you brought this up. Something you mentioned is why Bullet Train didn't work in terms of its nonlinear storyline is because the gentleman has narration to kind of help you with that. Yeah. Another writer-director who's great at that is Shane Black. We have the nonlinear storytelling, and the reason it works is he because do? he has a narrator who's going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I should back up. So it's like you're having someone, it, it helps. What? What movies is Shane Black? Uh, Shane Black kiss, kiss, wrote bang, bang. Lethal Weapon. Uh, he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He did The Nice, nice Guys, guys. which is spectacular. I okay. did not I was not into the nice guys until very recently and you know this I've tried it multiple times and it wasn't until like the like my fifth attempt watching the nice guys where I was like okay this we is should, this is a good movie. We should talk about the nice guys. That's not sometime. a 2019 film. Is it? No, it's no. 2016, but oh, okay. at some point we should talk about the nice guys. Okay, well, fucking write it down then. I'll put it down. It'll <laughs> it'll go on the list. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, no, I I think the thing is, is that, like, with Bullet Train, they were trying to hold all the cards until the end for, like, a good reveal, Mm -hmm. you know? But it didn't work because, you know, it's that thing where it's, like, nobody knows what's going on except for one character, and everybody's just kind of trying to scramble to kind of figure out what's, what is actually, like, why are we all here? There's only one character that knows that, and we don't find that out until until the end yeah and um even though the gentleman the gentleman doesn't quite do that because it's the narration of hugh grant that's kind of leading it down but he's not the person that knows everything no right because there is another there's there's another reveal at the end that comes from a different place right yeah charlie hunnam knows charlie hunnam knows more than him yeah but he lets him tell him the whole story and that's part of the allure because it's like oh i mean it it's kind of like you're you're showing one hand and then you're doing something with the other right and that's why we call it the prestige yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good game of poker. You yeah, know? yeah. You know? And uh, you know, Bullet Train doesn't do it as well because, like, you definitely have like a lot of very interesting characters. You got like a really star-studded cast, right? But it drags when you go into some of the flashbacks. Part of why Zach and I are quiet here. We have not seen Bullet Train yet, but we will. <laughs> but we will. We'll watch no, it's it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm so deep in it because I'm I'm really thinking about how much the gentleman works versus like the bullet train structure. It was kind of disappointing actually when I got to the end of bullet train and I was just like, oh, that's well cool. Okay, that's cool. Right. You know, I, and then it was just that was that was kind of it. You know, yeah. and whereas like you get to the end of the narration of Hugh Grant's character and you're like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, sure, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and then. And then there's another twist. Exactly. And then you're just yeah. like, oh, that's, you got that's me what, for that sure. That's what works Especially really well. Especially because the very beginning of the movie makes you think that something's going to happen and that's not quite what happens, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I love movies that trick the audience and yeah. never let you get ahead of it. Yeah. You know? Those are always those. Especially a movie that broadcasts that, oh, no, you're ahead of it. You're up to date. Oh, wait, you're not. And that's what's great about Guy Ritchie is because 
you think you have the inside scoop because yeah. you don't know what's happening. They oh okay now you know what uh, now you know what's happening that a bunch of other characters don't. You get to the end, you think you know, it, and then at the last second, there's a whole bunch of stuff that was happening that you that did must, not know about. That must be why Bullet Train doesn't work because like you literally spend the whole time with the characters being like, what the fuck am I right. missing? What is the thing that we're all missing to understand how we're all connected? Yeah. Whereas in the gentleman. It gives you the illusion of control, and then it rips it from you, yeah. because, and then it, and it surprises you in a very pleasant way. And I, I really like that. I think another 2019 movie that does that really well is Knives Out, because Knives yes. Out tells you, year. yeah, tells you who the quote-unquote yes. killer is. Yeah, like you know what, like a half hour, forty minutes yeah. into the movie, yeah, yeah. and then you're like, okay, we're on board. We know what's happening here. How's she going to get out of this? And you don't really see until the end yeah. that, oh, no, there's all these other elements at play. But the trick is that, that um, director of Knives Out. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson and, and Shane Black, Tarantino, and, um, and Richie do really well is that when you do have that final rug pull at the, at the end, it's not a cheat. It never feels like a cheat. It was always there. It was always being set up because you, then you go back and you watch it. You go, oh, yeah, that's where it was going. It's yeah. just it was, it was structured in such a beautiful yeah. way where, yeah, it, it totally works. It's not a cheat. It, ne it doesn't yeah. work if it's a cheat. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if, like, the very beginning of um, The Gentleman, where you have, where Fletcher's talking about, I think I did actually write something, where there's a, there's a fake scene with Mickey, where it shows him, like, exerting his power forcefully. Oh, um, yeah, it's the one where he kills Dry Eye early in the movie. At the very beginning, yeah. and then that's not real, right? Because he's when actually... When the lion's hungry, he eats! Yeah. yeah. Um... I, I don't know if that maybe like kind of plays into the end a little bit because like maybe it foreshadows it. I don't know. I was just having an idea. There's nothing to go on there. Well, yeah. that's something to stew on. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> do we uh, do we have anything else on the gentleman? Uh, I uh, I personally do not. I it's a great picture and it's a movie that every time I watch it I enjoy it more and more. I want to. You guys, you guys all pointed out that like during the almost um, sexual assault scene, that he's not worth. Saying. He wasn't worth the final shot. You don't get any like. Yeah. You don't get any shot of him like laying dead or anything like that. You you literally you cut him all the way out. And I do enjoy. I do. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's committing an act so heinous, he doesn't deserve to be seen on the screen again after. Yeah. After he's caught, you know, attempting it. And I, I who think does it show? Who does it show when yeah, he's killed? It shows, oh my god, I'm blanking on Mickey's wife's name. Uh, uh, the, the queen? Yes, the queen herself. Rosalind. Rosalind, yeah. Rosalind. I think, honestly, in that whole entire scene, mm -hmm. you never get a wide of the assault. No. You're locked into Rosalind's experience. Yeah. And you never get another line of dialogue from Dry Eye. The only thing you see is his face right before he's shot in the fucking head. Yeah. And I think that, like, that's, you know, there's all kinds of, like, conversation about, like, should you portray 
sexual assault in film, and it's like it's how it's how you show it. It's what the intent is behind it, and I think that the way that Guy Ritchie shoots that scene is like pretty pretty thoughtful. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have to I say. I think we could say that. Yeah, so when it comes to sexual assault in movies, it's all about the approach, not the landing. Sure. <laughs> I don't I don't love how that was phrased. I, I I The fact that you used an aviation term. Yeah. Why are you bringing sexual really assault into, into aviation? Brings it back to Top Gun. You just want to talk about Top Gun. I want to talk about this Top Gun. time you wanted to. Um, so do we, want to, uh, do we want to settle on what we're talking about next episode now? I think, yeah, I think we should. Because well, what are we? We're, uh, we're like, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this yeah. episode one. Yeah. yeah. Some of I, this will get cut. Yeah. I think I know which part. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's your entire dialogue. Yeah, it's, the, I love how the episode is going to be Alexis and Zach. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, hang on. There's three people I remember on hitting the record. for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so do we want to do we want to keep talking 2019 next episode? I think we should talk 2019 one more time just because the year is so stacked and it's a good place to jump off from. Um, you guys, I think maybe we just suggest a couple movies and we take a vote. All right. And I'm going to, just so you know, I'm going to beat the shit out of you if you guys vote together, which you probably will, so just be prepared. Okay, cool, cool. Great. Um, gonna, you're going to beat the sheet out <laughs> Well, I I'm probably going to be outvoted on this. Okay. Uh, but Don't because, say cats. No, I'm not going to, even though I want to. <laughs> yeah. um, because of what we are thinking for episode three, Okay. I wouldn't mind talking about Rocket Man, personally. Because I think that's a pretty solid, maybe underrated I, movie. Which I haven't seen yet. I'll be honest, I love that film just because they have, like, this scene that's supposedly supposed to be at, like, Mama Cass's house in the 60s or whatever, and I'm like, if I didn't love Mama Cass before, I definitely love her now based on what her backyard looks like and what her house looks like. I'm like, I'm in it. I'm here. I'm here for it. You're gonna love it, Nick. I I'm sure I will. I'm no, excited yeah. for it. I like. You would have. This movie is probably gonna make you wish you were like there for that era, the same way that it made me wish it. Okay. No, I'm into it. Yeah, I like it. Do we? Do we have any other suggestions? Um. You know what? No, no. I'm down with Rocket Man. All right. Yeah. Next you episode. With... I, I think it's a good. It's a good Switzerland for us. Love it. All right. Uh, next episode, we are going to officially be talking about. Dexter Fletcher's Rocket Man starring Taryn Edgerton. I'm going to do that one more, do time. one more time. Next episode, we are going to be talking about Dexter Fletcher's Rocket Man starring Taryn Edgerton. Uh, and uh, yeah, do we want to do we want to plug our social media stuff? Uh, let's. What 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 can people nope. find you on? <laughs> no, you don't want you Mick, don't want people Mick's to find you. It's not on social media. I am is. actually. Zach here, just recording a quick little coda to the episode. Despite Mick not wanting to share his social media, we now have social media accounts for the podcast. So go ahead and follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Pod. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at 
filmmajorspod at gmail.com. Write us, tell us what you want us to talk about next. And uh, yeah, thank you for putting up with the somewhat subpar audio on this episode. We had some technical difficulties, which you will hear all about once we've resolved them in episode two. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.